This episode of Bushers Breakaway is brought to you by you, the listener, patreon.com slash Bushers Breakaway, where you can support us, listen to BSBOTs, join our Discord, all the other fun things. We have uh, Hart from Puckpedia on today. We learn a lot about salary cap, what contracts could look like for the Rangers. We learn about uh, different potential centers that could be available, different uh, free agents that the Rangers could be targeting. A lot of fun stuff. And Greg and I talk about Mika's of Interject Contacts, Ryan Reeves is our daddy, and more. But before that, let's talk about Mark Messier, or rather, he'll talk about us. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to the Week of the Butcher's Breakaway. I'm your host, Ryan Mead of patreon.com slash Butcher's Breakaway, where you can support us right now if you want. I'm here with my, my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. One week ago today. Feels like a lot longer than one week ago. It feels today. like I came on this podcast, ages. Ryan. Yeah. This year podcast that we did. Oh, hold on. Before I actually, a sentence I didn't expect to read in the year of our Lord, 2021. Kapokako, right. Washington's Dylan McElrath has a hearing today with the National Hockey League Department of Player Safety. I can't believe you for, stole my fucking opening. That was what I was going to do. For illegal check to the head of Boston's Stephen Fogarty. Two-game suspension, by the way. There you go. Ranger on Ranger crime. What's going on? I don't Can know. Gerard Gallant get these players to like each other? Can he get him to compete? Because I don't know if you've heard about Gallant's method and his coaching style, mm. but it's work hard, play hard. I don't know if you know that. Anyway, the original story I was going to say. A okay. week ago today, came on this podcast. Yes. Talked about one of my biggest success stories when it comes to betting on college football. Feels like a lot longer ago than one week. I can't believe we even talked ago. about that. But yes, keep going. This week, I, I, I don't think I'll be able to have a worse beat on a bet in my entire life. What was the bet? Do you want to give it to us? I bet under 48 and a half points in Wisconsin, Notre Dame with two minutes and 20 seconds left. The score was 27 points. Okay. You broke Wisconsin up. You broke up the during ball. that. They but... were losing. Yep. Okay. Keep going. 27 to 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wisconsin had even admitted defeat. The worst quarterback play I've ever seen in my life. And they were even running the ball. Occasionally, they were not trying to score, make two scores here in two minutes and 20 seconds. Quarterback who's just butt throws a pick six. Okay. It, the score is now 30 to 13. Or no, sorry. So what was it? What, what's saying is there was almost no chance of you losing and you lost? 34 to 13. It gets okay. worse. Okay. I don't know so, anything about college football. So for, for for the math experts at home, 34 plus 13, we're now at 47. Yes. I'm still covering the under. Yes. Wisconsin gets the ball back again. Again, they're not necessarily trying to drive down the field. But again, this god-awful fucking quarterback drops back and with 50 seconds left in the game, throws a second pick six. I mean, you should have recorded yourself. Would have been quality content. Uh, no. It when I say I've never I, – few times in my life have I ever been more broken by a singular sporting event in my life. No, the Mets have I broken you in at the least moment, 10 times harder than that. I'm, no, here's the thing, Ryan. In the moment, it felt worse than the 2015 World there's Series. There's no – Gregory, there's no fucking way. There's, in the moment. <laughs> there's no way. I'm sorry, buddy. And I've known you for all a long time. All he had time. to do – all the 
the second pick six was picked off by a 260-pound white linebacker who broke four fucking tackles in order to take it into the end zone. All that motherfucker had to do was fall the fuck down, and Notre Dame takes a knee. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I don't know what to tell apoplectic. you. Apoplectic. I, I, I literally... I, Aaron, my roommate, Bear, he wasn't even home at the time. He came home a couple hours later, and I was just sitting on the couch, dead stared, not even reacting to anything happening in the world. I just... Now it's time to react to a bunch of Ranger news, but before we do that, I'm actually going to do a quick five-star question early. I got got one on Twitter today from someone that said they don't understand Discord, but they are a Patreon subscriber named Says the Machine, and they would like to know, and I think this will make you feel better, and it's the only reason I'm doing it now, otherwise I would have done it later. He, he asked me, I have a five-star question. I want to know how Greg feels, feels about being right all the time. Oh, yeah. And I he mean, was dead serious. Fucking under. Dead serious, though. I mean, he said, What was I right about? Said, I don't he, even know anymore. Said, I was... <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm assuming Truba was one of them. Uh, you called Adam Fox and Norris before anyone else. You, you called it that with the uh, Hank opening night would be the Zuccarello night. You went back on it, but... You originally called it as the Zuccarello night on that Friday, and it turns out you were right. Congratulations. Huh. I don't even remember saying it. It always Take the credit, sense. Greg. Take the fucking credit. <laughs> I, I just, I'm so broken by Wisconsin and Notre Dame. I, three three facts of life that are going to happen this weekend. Sure. I'm betting on college football again. Yeah. I'm, I'm betting Shocker. against Notre Dame because they're playing Cincinnati. Shocker. And I'm betting the fuck against Wisconsin. I, I just don't care. Fuck both those teams. They. Fr- it felt personal. Fr- We've now made it five minutes. Uh, we will now talk about the Rangers. Here we are. So, okay. uh, there are a lot of storylines that happened this week, including, let's go back from last week. Uh, I have, I'll let you pick the one you want to start with. The Mika contract extensions, Ryan Reeves is my daddy, or Hank uh, opening, or retirement night. I, we should probably start with Hank. So that's a good idea. Uh, yeah. It will be January 28th, the Hank retirement night. Tickets now are selling for over $1,000 a pop. Uh, if you listen to us, or any yep. advice we gave on this or OT, I hope you picked up some some tickets early for be uh, for the Minnesota game. It will be a absolute packed house. I've been told that the suites will all be rented out by former players and other personnel in that kind of way. So getting tickets will be very very hard. But Hank has picked his night. It will be a Friday in New York City, and uh, I'm sure many many people will cry as he gets honored, and they will yeah. hopefully win the game. I will I will double check right now, but I made sure to look just before I left work. I am on uh, fan of the podcast, maybe friend of the podcast, soon to be Tick Pick. Right. Um, again, Free if you ad. ever want, if you ever want sporting tickets, guys, and you don't Free want ad. fees, hidden We're fees, literally not sponsored by them. They have not sent us a check. Okay, keep going. Uh, the get in price, the cheapest ticket you can get on Tick Pick as of seven eleven p.m. on Monday, September twenty seventh, is seven hundred and sixty dollars. Woo. Woo. Yeah. The next most expensive game on the Rangers schedule is the home opener. That which makes sense. You can get in for $122. My God. I, uh, there, there probably won't be another like must attend Ranger event like this for a very long time with the exception Stan- of short of the playoffs. I was about to say short of the uh, Stanley cup finals, right? That's about it. I, can't I don't think, but even else. then for a playoff ticket, I don't think I've ever spent more than $200 on a Ranger ticket. I think the most expensive Ranger game I've ever been to. I, I mean, I in even in 2014, had a, like, it was still cheaper to fly to LA and go to the Kings game. So there you go. I, I think the amount of the airfare and the ticket to Game Seven against the Capitals 
would have cost me less than what it would cost. Luckily, we already have tickets. Very lucky. Let's say we were looking for tickets to this wild game. It, the, the airfare and the ticket to game seven would have been cheaper than the ticket to this game. Yep. And maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll do something that weekend. Who knows? With the, we'll, we'll figure it out. We got a, a lot of time to plan. But I don't think there's much, much, much more else to say with the Hank night. It is going to be very memorable. I expect a lot of very important people to be there. And uh, it's nice to have Zuccarello back and, and, and Talbot. So that's good, too. There you go. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, of the, I, I'm sure Hank had some say in this, right? He had like, to. Obviously, have. Hank has some say because the Rangers could propose him a date and he could be like, congratulations, I'm not going that night. Yep. And if he's not going to come, then you can't really have the ceremony. Well, it's I'm a sure Friday Zuc- night, I, so that's important. Well, I, I don't think that the day of the week really mattered. I, I honestly think that Zook being there is super important to Hank. I agree. I can't think of a teammate that meant more to Henrik Lundqvist during his tenure than Matt Zuccarello. The crying so I, I interview think, with Hank is a legendary moment. Yeah, so I, I really do believe that Hank told them straight up, listen, I, I understand that you guys want to sell tickets for some other games. Matt Zuccarello has to be there that night, and there's only one night you can guarantee that Matt Zuccarello will be there, and it's when he's playing in New York as a member of the Minnesota Wild. Yep, that's exactly it. All right, well... Let's get brings us to our next topic. One of the things that uh, former guests of the show and maybe soon to be guests of the show eventually again, Vince Bercogliano reported was that Mika Zibanejad was looking for uh, eight to nine thousand, nine million, nine thousand, Jesus, nine million dollars a year uh, over eight years. In this case, I don't think that's any of a surprise to us. I was surprised that people were surprised. Uh, if I'm being honest, I think that's what we've always kind of projected Mika Zibanejad out. I said on this podcast a couple weeks ago, I'd prefer if Mika took a five-year deal uh, as a fan. I think it's stupid as fans, again, that you have to root against your favorite players getting paid. I think there's no doubt in anybody's mind that Mika Zibanejad is one of the most liked and favored and and fun to watch players on the Rangers. I don't think that's particularly very close. I think Panarin and Fox are close, and that's just about it. But Mika is so damn likable, and I have to root against him getting eight years. Uh, but if he takes eight years, eight million, I'm going to be okay with that. I think, I think you have to be, considering the market... Uh, for Mr. You-Know-Who is still out there, <laughs> and uh, the whole Eichel situation is absolutely bonkers and still keeps going somehow. It's almost like Ben Simmons, except there's more news on Ben Simmons and less on Jack Eichel, because we're just waiting for the surgery. But with Mika, it, to me, it's not a surprise. I mean, if I think you have to check that off as a win if he gets $8 million. Don't you agree? I, I, I found myself frustrated a little bit with the discourse and the discussion regarding Mika's Benedict's future contract. I, and this goes back to a point that I made at some point over the summer, I don't remember in context to what, but I definitely remember having this rant before. I do think fans have jumped the shark when it comes to truly being invested in, not invested, but getting so worked up about long-term value. We've, we've, we're missing the mark. The whole point is to win the Stanley Cup once. Just get it. Let's get One it time. once before... Get it once before you can start having the one more time after that, right? I get every Ranger fan saying Mika Zibanejad is 29. He's had concussion issues in the past along with other health issues. He had a not good last season, which was partially health-related. He's going to be, if you give him eight years, 37 at the end of that contract. I understand all that validity, and I'm not saying any of it is incorrect. But I do think we've 
somehow missed the mark where we're no longer caring about the current Mika Zibanejad, and instead we're just angry about the future Mika Zibanejad. Current Mika Zibanejad is a top 20 center in the NHL. The New York Rangers will be unable to replace his production at a lower cost per year. The only player we can say for sure that is both available and better than Mika Zibanejad is also coming off a major health injury that still hasn't been resolved and is going to be paid more money than Mika Zibanejad. Like, I get it. You don't want Mika Zibanejad for eight years. I'm not going to tell you you're dumb for thinking that. I think you're a little too worked up that you care about something that's going to happen in four years. I think you should enjoy the next four years before you worry about the next four years. It's like worrying about what you're going to do after college before you get into college. A lot of things are going to change. So much is going to change in the frame. four years. So yeah. much. It's I, I I get it, and we're part of the problem, right? Because we are. We're, we're we definitely have these conversations, not just on this show, but about our favorite baseball teams. This all stems back to the Moneyball generation because that really. I'm literally a Rays fan, so I know how this yeah. goes. Billy Bean's about to be the New York Mets team president. Like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a big Moneyball boy more than I already am. Though the movie still fucking sucks. And I'm happy to talk about that at any time, but I we're, we're missing we're missing the forest through the trees on this one, or maybe I guess in reverse, like we are ignoring the trees because we can only see the forest. It's it's okay, guys. If this contract, I am confident that the first three years of the Mika Zibanejad contract, he's going to be the exact player he is today, which the New York Rangers, by the way, desperately need. absolutely need him desperately. to be. It, yeah. If the Rangers, if we think the Rangers are going to be a playoff team, but not just a playoff team, a team that can make a deep Stanley Cup run, a team that can threaten to win the title itself, a team that has a stake at being the best team in the East, is Mika Zibanejad the most important player in this structure? No. But if you take Mika Zibanejad out, I don't see a viable path forward for the New York Rangers. No, I, there's not. If the, it, it, it would be one thing, Ryan. If this was, I we do this all the time. I don't mean to do it again. But if this was the NBA and players were readily available on a year-to-year basis, that'd be one thing. Well, that's that's one of the reasons why the eight-year contract is so rough because I, I've talked about this pretty openly. I would love to have five-year contracts in the NHL. I think eight years is just too much, but, but that's I don't, giving but up to money. Go, to go one step, my point is one step further. Every player is available at any time in the NBA. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your contract status is in the NHL, it's just not the case. Star players like Mika Zibanejad don't get the free agency. That's why the Rangers had to take the swing on Artemi Panarin when they did. Worked out, but that never star happens. Players, star players like Mika Zibanejad aren't on the trade market at this point in their career. That's why Jack Eichel being on the market should be a situation the New York Rangers take advantage of. And this, honestly, you know what this really goes back to? It goes back to the point of fucking offer sheets. I, I can't believe we got here, but here we are. Yeah, if anybody wants to say that the New York Rangers should take every dollar that they are going to give Mika Zibanejad and just give it to Elias Pettersson, I'm not going to tell you you're dumb. I will agree with you, but I'm also a realist. I I, I, this, I guess the pandemic has just – it's worn me down to a nub, and I understand that no one is going to go to the Canucks and say, we're offering five by ten and a half for Pettersson, and here are my four first-round picks – I hope you enjoy them because I know you can't sign him to this. That's what a team should do. 
But we live in a world where a team won't do that. So then I have to be realistic with what's available to the New York Rangers. And right now, it's Mika Zibanejad or bust. Tom Tomas Hurdle, I like him as a player. He's not as good as Mika Zibanejad. He's definitely not better than Mika Zibanejad. And if he gets to the open market, there's a chance he gets paid more than Mika Zibanejad. And he's only one year I, younger. It, it's not like this, hey, we're going to get yeah. super young in this situation by getting Hurdle. And he's had major knee injuries in the past as well. He's not a guy that's got a clean bill of health. This is... It, it's not even – I don't want to clar- classify this as a uh, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't because that gives a negative connotation to what Mika Zibanejad is. I get it. Eight years is too long. But the first four years of that deal is the New York Rangers window. That's when the young players are cheap. That's when Artemi Panarin is at his peak. That's when Igor Shosturkin is under contract. That's when Adam Fox and Keandre Miller and Niels Lundqvist are doing their thing. Th- this four-year – window is the window this is it and i as things stand right now there is no player available who better fits this window and will play better than mika zibanejad the only one is eichel who the rangers have said they don't want to trade for and Pedersen, who the rangers are too afraid to give an offer sheet to and also let's be honest there's a chance that Pedersen just isn't everything we're making him out to be his career is still undefined it, is. it could be a riskier investment to give Patterson five by ten and lose the four first round picks than it is to go after Mika Zibanejad. Now, now, now likely I, Patterson will turn out to be a pretty good NHL player, but if you give up not, four, not just pretty good, a star, right. like a, a a through and through star. But if you give up and, the four first round picks, Greg, and pay him that money, he needs to be a star. And if he's not, you've lost your window. That's it. Right. But I, as even as I say that, my counterpoint is you're hoping just one of those four first round picks comes within seventy percent of what we believe Pedersen is. Like the whole point of having first round right, picks they won't. for four straight years is to become Pedersen. And I'm telling you right now, where th- how this Ranger team is built, they're going to be picking 16th or later, most likely each of the next four years. None of those players will be Pedersen. They should go out and get them. They're not going to do it. This is like Barkov 2.0. Yeah, I'd, I, wish, I wish Alexander Barkov was a New York Ranger. Too bad that's yeah, also done. not going to happen. Yeah, I would love These that. Are, I, I just, the, if you're not going to sign Mika, and I understand the reasons why some people don't want to, this this is essentially, I don't know how we've done it, but instead of saying the, if you want David Quinn fired, tell me who you want, it's now, if you don't want Mika Zibanejad, tell me who the fuck you want that the New York Rangers have clearly made it, had interest in. This this is the world we live in. Well, Show yeah, me your there, There's really not that many. Many names, Gregory, and that, that's the point you made with the NBA where everyone's kind of available. And you right. and I have gone through uh, a lot of different teams. We've talked to a lot of different people. And uh, other than like maybe like a name we didn't mention was like Dylan Larkin. But I that's, but Dylan Larkin is not Mika Zibanejad. That's correct. That is correct. I, I, it's just the, the realistic – the, the only part that I understand that's frustrating, it's that Eichel's there and the Rangers seem disinterested. It's that Barzal was there and the Rangers weren't interested. And it's that Pedersen is still there and we know the Rangers aren't interested. Have no, it, no th- interest. And he's at not that signed. point, right. At that point, I agree. That's super frustrating. But that's an entire 200 hockeyman problem. That's not a New York Ranger specific problem. This isn't like other teams are going out there and signing star players to offer sheet. If the Hurricanes, while they sign Kotkaniemi, if that goes belly up, it's a one-year commitment, and they're out of it immediately. There's no one-year commitment the Rangers could offer for Pedersen that the Canucks wouldn't 
immediately say yes to. There isn't a one-year commitment that Pedersen himself would say yes to. You have to talk about a five-year deal. You have to talk about ten and a half plus million dollars. I'm willing to have that conversation. I would love it if the New York Rangers or any NHL team had the balls to do that, considering the problems the Canucks are in with their long-term cap space. It's just not going to happen. So I, I can't. To me, Pedersen's not even a realistic option because there's nothing there to show signs that any team, let alone the New York Rangers, have even approached him about it. So then it, if it's not Mika Zibanejad, who are my options? And every option, it, Evgeny Kuznetsov is worse. Um, Dylan, Dylan Larkin, Larkin worse. is worse. Younger, Tomas Hurdle at best is as good, but I, in my eyes, worse. The Rangers need Zibanejad the next three years. Need. And if to get Zibanejad for the next three years means you have to give him more years than you want, you have to do it. What will you that do is the window you are in. If or when the Rangers actually extend Ryan Strom. Well, they're not going to do that. I mean, just uh... it, it's just I, at this <laughs> point, the Rangers extend, if 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 the Rangers extend Ryan Strom, I I already know God doesn't exist because of the end of the Wisconsin Notre Dame game. That makes sense. But if if the Rangers extend Ryan Strom, I will just literally have no trust in any human being again in my life. I think that's a fair assumption to make. Uh, speaking of tr- not trusting what you see, it's time to talk about the preseason. Uh, it doesn't matter, everybody. It's okay. I, I feel bad for you fans who went to MSG and saw the Islanders beat the Rangers 4 nothing. I've been there. I did it last year when there was nobody in the building. It fucking sucks. But the actual takeaways from the game is absolutely nothing other than maybe, hey, Georgie, I can stop a breakaway once in a while, huh? Just looking out for our client, Keith Kincaid. That's it. Uh, but other than that, there's nothing else to talk about. Uh, there's no takeaways, and I'm excited to see how the line changes come into play. And I'm excited to see if Chris Kreider plays on the right wing. Seems like they were doing that in practice today. I have nothing else, Greg. I, I've i been trying to think of ways that I can get Dryden Hunt into the opening night lineup. I can't do I it. Just can't do it. I can't do it. Um, I, I I went back to look. I think the roster's kind when of set Gerard- in stone, by the way. I, I know we talked I, about Not those. just the roster. I think the opening night lineup is very set in stone, whether – Gallant says he's still tinkering of things. I think the things he's tinkering with are very minor. But I went back and looked. When Gallant was head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, um, Ryan Reeves didn't miss a single game for any other – for a healthy scratch reason. Um, and I I guess the argument you could make is that maybe Sammy Blay doesn't have a locked-in roster spot at this point in time. Mm, part of the boost but- trade. Definitely getting played. Again, though, I, I, you and I would think that, right? Because we value Pavel Buchnevich, but we have to remember that the New York Rangers were days away from just walking away from Buchnevich for nothing. So maybe our perceived organi- organizational value of Sammy Blay shouldn't be that high because maybe they're just happy to get a guy for a guy they were willing to give up for nothing. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So you think Hunt um, would be that kind of guy? So Because right now I that's think... The, but that's that's the only spot on the roster that I could say, or not even on the roster, on the opening night lineup, that I could say maybe there's competition. You've got your that. fourth line as Reeves, Blay, uh, Rooney, correct? Correct. Okay. Yep. Uh, I just... You, the way I see it, I see it the same way you do. I can't see a situation where the Rangers traded a guy like Pavel Buchnevich for a player and a prospect just to not give that player they acquired the first run, like at least a 20-game run to start the season to see if he could get into some kind of rhythm. Yep. But if you were to – if all I know is this entire point is to say that Ryan Reeves is not the 12th forward on the New York Rangers. It's probably 
Sammy Blay. So I would I like Dryden Hunt. I think he's a very interesting player. I think he's got high Colin Blackwell surprise plug and play potential. Yep. But I I struggle with finding his spot. He I I looked at his numbers. I think he's taken seven faceoffs in his career, so it's not even like he could threaten. I think Kevin Barrett Rooney. has a better shot if, especially if he, if he performs in the next couple of days here, than Hunt. Even I, though I, I like but, Hunt, but I, we talked about this on OT. I, I don't think there's anything Morgan Barron can really do to win that fourth line center job. I think he's better off. Again, like I said on OT, if you didn't hear it, you should. Lucius Breakaway, uh, Patreon.com/slash Lucius Breakaway. Good plug. Uh, Morgan Barron will play, what do we think, 30 games for the New York Rangers this year, give or take? Yeah, probably. As soon as, put, as soon as an injury pops up, Morgan will be the first call up. Other than if, I put his, if I put his line at 33 and a half, you taking the over or the under? Uh, I'll take the under because I think maybe they get, like, they rotate around and maybe if they, they're happy with the way Barron's developing in the NHL and all that and they'll play guys that they don't care about in the fourth line. I think my point essentially was Morgan, Morgan Barron doesn't have to make the opening right night roster to have a – critical impact on what the New York Rangers do this season. And I think Morgan Barron at some point in time will end up playing important minutes for the Rangers this year. I don't think it needs to be opening night. And I think it's better for Barron to play important minutes in Hartford than it is for him to shuffle in and out of the lineup with Kevin Rooney, depending on matchup. But with, with Hunt to me, I think I'd be surprised yeah, he has to do it a couple more times. I'm not going to say it's definitely his job to lose after one preseason game, but I I will say you get Gerard Gallant's a guy that is emphasizing effort and all of that. And when Gallant says he's the only guy that looked really good, I think that carries a lot of weight. But I I I I, I no wish way. I un, I wish I just knew how this Ranger team is going to value Sammy Blay. That's really a blind spot for me right now. But that, to me, that is what it's going to come down to in my eyes. It's going to be one of Blay and Hunt will play on a nightly basis. I think Dryden Hunt has a more intriguing upside, like limited bottom six upside. I also think, you know, this is a conversation we only have on a late September Monday because there's just not a whole lot to talk about. Agreed. This Ryan Reeves is my daddy, and that's about it. Uh, yeah. Big I, fan, by the way. Reeves. Gonna be the, gonna be a blast to cover. I mean, just an awesome cover. The thing about New York that makes, in my opinion, New York different from just about every other market is New York. Every sports team desperately needs the guy who understands the media. Well, Reeves definitely does that. This, they also need this from their coaches. I think a lot of Met fans who want Luis Rojas fired, it actually has little to do with what he does during games, and has everything to do with he kind of sucks in press conferences. He's always positive, always uplifting, and always supporting his guys. Whereas you get a guy like Terry Collins, where if the Mets get lambasted, he come out there and said, these guys fucking sucked. I thought they were baseball players. Every now and then you have to man up and be a, be a baseball player. And Luis Rojas will never be that guy. And I think Met fans dislike that. I, You and I, as much as we defended David Quinn, if I never hear about fucking effort level again in my entire life, I'm going I'm to have a really good time. And Gerard Gallant so far is just saying what he fucking thinks. And I'm all about that. That Gallant is going to go miles in my book if he gets up there and says, like he did after that game, he's just like, shit, we played terribly. Giant Hunt was okay. 
but everybody else. Yeah, he was like, not what you want, but you know what? These games don't matter. I wish we weren't passing the puck around like not in a, a, you know, probably should have done a better job. I, I got so much time for coaches and every New York fan has so much time for coaches that tell it like it is. And Ryan Reeves is a tell it like it is guy. (laughs) but also that I was cracking up dude Ryan Reeves saying the only reason he allowed the trade to New York is because he thought he could win the cup hold on a second are you telling me the Las Vegas Golden Knights who traded Mark Andre Fleury with a full no move clause to Chicago without consulting him for no all of a sudden no return all of a sudden they would have asked permission to trade Ryan Reeves to the Rangers for a third round pick for a you're, third you're round Vegas, pick. Vegas. You're on the phone with Mark. Mark, what's up? Uh, you're going to Chicago. What, what do you mean? Yeah, we fucking traded you. How could you trade me? I have a no move clause. Well, we don't give a shit. Enjoy Chicago or retire. We'll see. And then flash forward a month later. Hey, Ryan, uh, hope everything is well. Have a quick question for you. Is it okay? Again, with your permission, <laughs> is it okay? Again, you can say no. Is it okay? Again, I, we don't want to feel like we're putting any pressure on you here. We're just we're just guys talking, right? Dudes being bros. Is it okay if we trade you to New York? Don't react yet, Rangers. Uh, yeah, no, no, I don't feel, I don't think that. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Forget we asked. That's okay. We'll see you. We'll see you in September, King. No big deal. You're telling me those conversations happened? I don't fucking think so, Ryan. If they wanted Re, Revo, if you wanted to. You had no say in this. You were coming to the Rangers. I'm happy you like it here. I'm happy to have you. But give me, come on. What are we doing with that comment? I allowed the trade to happen. Incredible. Ooh, what? Incredible. I mean, I, I, I listen. I, I fell in love with Tanner Glass pretty, pretty head over heels pretty quickly. Uh, many years later, or even sometimes during. And I think Ryan Reeves will do this a very similar thing for me. Let's get to our guest of the day. We have a uh, Mr. Puckpedia. He's been on before, and he'll be talking to us about. The cap and some other things in the league? Question mark? All right, here we go. Transition. Hey, we're back with our first guest, our recurring guest, Mr. Hart Levine from Puckpedia. Hart, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for joining us. Last time you came on this podcast, we talked about uh, cap crunches. It was like one of the most informational episodes ever and not to put you on the spot but i don't expect to repeat that so let's get right into the nonsense i hope informational doesn't mean boring no it was actually okay (laughs) i got it genuinely got a ton of great feedback and things that people didn't know about how exactly either contracts work or the cap works or how bonuses we did because i don't know if you remember the rangers had i think eight or nine ridiculous bonuses last year so they couldn't spend certain amount of money so we went through all that with you great job uh, this year, they're trying to extend two pretty important players. And I'd like to start with the one that won the Norris. Uh, Adam Fox recently won that. He seems to be pretty good at hockey. He wore Norris on the back of his shirt recently. Uh, could you tell me what we can expect as Ranger fans for a contract, or at least in your opinion, what it would be? Well, I, I think you got to look at the recent deals that have been signed. I mean, let's Quinn Hughes will be a good one to see, right? Um, and, you know... The demand market is the is the biggest area this offseason where the the market has changed from previous years. Um, you know, with the flat cap, you would kind of think that uh, market prices for certain types of players should be the same, right? Like if there's if there's no inflation, your cup of coffee should always cost the same. Um, but what's interesting is there it was the same in some places. In some areas, it actually went down. Like we saw RFA forwards with no arbitration rates; they got squeezed this year. 
and they were actually getting paid less. Uh, you know, Cheeto did pretty well, but guys that didn't score quite as well as him, um, the the price went down. Where the where and it, because it's a pie that's going to get divvied up, where the market kind of went nuts and exploded was in in that high end D man range. Um, and Seth Jones types. Exactly. That Seth Jones set off a deal, set off a chain reaction. Then you see other players being like, well, I can't get paid less than Seth Jones, or I can't get paid that much less than Seth Jones. Right. And it really set off a, a big reaction. Um, you know, so like all these things, it depends on term. Um, and you got to look at like Kale McCarr scores amazingly, didn't win the Norris and he's, he's signed for 9 million, six years. Um, you know, so I think that's, in and around where he's going to have to be again it all depends on the term is he going to take a couple years is he going to go long term uh take more ufa years um i think that's why quinn hughes will be interesting to see on a shorter bridge because that might that'll be a good comp to see where he'll be uh, now we know you know Dalin three years at six million that's the absolute floor obviously fox got to be well above that um so i think that's what we're watching here i think this this Hughes contract will be huge and then figuring out what kind of term he's looking at. I think another one to watch will be Charlie McAvoy's got to probably have an extension coming at some point. Um, again, it's different because he's already signed one bridge deal, but again, that's sort of setting that price for an elite defenseman. And even though Fox doesn't have the, you know, the, the longevity yet in the NHL, obviously when you win the Norris, that, that puts you into that top, top echelon and those are the kind of guys you got to be looking at the 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 thing though when you compare to a Rowenski and a Seth Jones and a Darnell Nurse and all these guys those were almost all UFA years right so that is something that keeps the price a little bit lower for Fox is that you know it's going to be covering some UFA years or some RFA years um, but it's not going to be cheap that's for sure Hart do you think I I, I understand Hughes uh, being an important one but He's in that weird situation where he's a restricted free agent without the ability to get an offer sheet. Yeah. So he's kind of, for now at least, uh, in a zero-sum game when it comes to having leverage in the contract negotiation. However, Charlie McAvoy has a contract negotiation coming up after this season as well. Do you think it's necessarily more important for the Rangers to sign Fox before the Bruins can lay down a huge number on McAvoy? Hmm. It's a good question. I am. I don't think McAvoy is going to be super, super um, relevant in terms of the timing because I think McAvoy, as he's you know he's one year from, or he's a couple years from UFA, yeah, I right? Think, I think next year he's a restricted yeah. free agent again, so and then he, he has unrestricted so, free agency. So his price is going to be similar to like a Rowenski and you know a little bit like the Seth Jones and those guys. Um, so I. I, th- I would be shocked if McAvoy's contract kind of skews that those comps, right? I think if they're, when they're looking at that type of a player, you, you already have a few of those, like let, let's just use Rowenski, right? So we already kind of know if it's going to be that term of contract and everything um, and what those RFA and UFA years are worth. We are, we already kind of know what that is. So I don't know if the timing really matters unless, unless it's a huge surprise, which again, I, everything I've heard is that McAvoy's likely to sign long-term and, it's not going to vary much from like the, the Rensky numbers or anything like that. So I don't think that to your question, I don't think the timing is that important. Um, unless you were starting to hear, maybe it's like a, the Bruins are grinding him and he's willing to take something lower or he's, or he's grinding the Bruins and they're willing to pay sort of much more than that. Yeah. You know, obviously then that might impact things, but 
from what I'm hearing, it's going to be sort of what you'd expect with like the Wierenski contract. Um, so I don't think the timing is that important and as it relates to Could Fox. you just refresh our listeners on what the Wierenski contract looks like? Yeah. So Wierenski was six years um, covering um, five UFA years. So one RFA, five, five UFA, and he signed for 9.58. Right. Yeah, that's a lot of cash. I think the Ranger fans are kind of hoping that Fox kind of falls in the eight-year category for sure. And then on top yeah. of that, I would say 8.5, 9 million, kind of the McCarr deal is what we're looking at. Yeah, well, that's why I think the McCarr deal is quite relevant, right? Because they're they're kind of like neck and neck in terms of uh, like, you know, how they rank in terms of top young defensemen. Um, so McCarr, he's a UFA in 2026, right? So... Uh, his deal, though, his six-year deal covered five RFA years. And then if we look at and, – and nine mil. And then if we look at Fox, I mean, he's an RFA in 2025, right? So it's going to be a little more – depending on, on that same term, it's going to be a little more UFA years. So you got to think about that. But I don't think you're way off. I, I think, again, if you're in and around that range, you're probably looking eight and a half to nine-ish. I think Ranger fans would uh, laugh to the bank signing that that certain contract. So that's totally fine. Uh, one contract that's been super controversial for Ranger fans has been the upcoming Mika Zibinijad contract. People don't know if they should trade him or if they should resign him or if eight years is too much. Has there been any comparables that you've seen? Like, I know that there's uh, some Philly contracts possibly at 7.75 over eight years. He's asking for eight or nine, it seems in this case. And I, I do find it so funny that in the NHL, we fight over these hundreds of thousands of dollars and in other sports, it's like we're off by millions. Uh, and here yeah. we are with Mika Zibanejad. So uh, is there any sort of precedent set for him? He's kind of a strange player who's been on and off injured, but yet is super explosive at times. Yeah, I mean, the the challenge is, again, the, yeah, the on and off, right? Like, and how do you extrapolate that? But, I mean, if you get the guy that sort of finished the year and what he's been showing, uh, that that's really expensive. And he's, yeah, he's 28, so... Um, those kind of guys get eight-year deals if you want to if you want to sign them or seven-year deals, right? It's it's going to be pretty hard to get them for much less. I mean, we can look at um, we can look. I'm not, you know, we can look at Landeskog, which was like the big showdown. You know, not really a center, but you saw Colorado tried to squeeze him and it, it didn't really work out. They kind of had to pay him, right? So, well, the the uh, big one this off season that people hope is a sign what the Rangers could do would be Couturier in Philly. But Couturier yep. is just a completely different player. They're of equal importance to their team, but let, let, let's be honest: the NHL is a league that pays for points, and Sean Couturier is not a guy that's going to score forty goals a year. No, exactly. Yeah, uh, you, you nailed that. It, you pay for points, right? Um, and you pay, you pay a little bit for let's call it intangibles. If you can hit guys and you're strong and big, um, you know, defensive players or strong defensive players. They don't typically um, get paid as well. And so if you're thinking about it, like how the GMs look at it, um, you got to take Couturier plus, right? Because because of the difference in the scoring. Yeah, absolutely. It's just so ridiculous. It's like, like I, I, not to put you on the spot, Hart, but if you were building an NHL team, who would you rather have? Would you rather have a Mika Zibanejad or would you rather have a Sean Couturier? Uh I'd like both one, one to be my first line center and one to be my second line center. <laughs> well, that's our next question, but that's not, it's not Couturier we're talking about. You probably know where we're going next. There's this player named Jack Eichel. Maybe you heard of him. Uh, there's a lot of storylines around him and it seems the Rangers have a, the most cap space they've, they've had available 
uh, in a very long time heading into a season. I believe it's around $8 million, correct me if I'm wrong. And they seem to be saving that money for a certain center or top six player. They still don't know who that player is going to be. It, there's some one prominent one that they've sort of been interested in slash say publicly that they're not at all. Uh, is there a, a cap crunch for the Rangers? And could they facilitate an Eichel trade at the trade deadline if there that was to happen? So let's well let's start with their cap space, right? So I have them right now on the website at nine point seven million of cap space with a full twenty three man roster. As we talked about last year, though, they have the issue of the of going over the bonus cushion, right? So a team can only um, have potential performance bonuses of up to seven and a half percent of the cap, or six point one million or so. Um, if you have more than that, you've got sort of a cap hold. Um, so maybe let's just dive into that for a second. Yep. So last year they had this cap hold for the difference for most of the year, but because most of those guys didn't, they didn't earn near, uh, anywhere near that much bonuses. They actually didn't, um, they didn't like those bonuses didn't come through. And that's the reason why there wasn't a cap carryover or anything for the Rangers. So it's kind of a weird situation where you have these top end picks where you've got this cap hold and it impacts you for the current year. But for most teams, the potential bonuses only, but come back to hurt you the next year um, because the the players hit their bonuses and it pushes you over and you have an overage, which is not what the Rangers are going to have. So right now, though, with the projected roster that I've got on the site, um, it's about seven point five five million of potential bonuses. So that's that's about one point four million over that cushion. So um, I have when the season is set and the, or when the opening rosters are set and they submit their opening roster. I mean, I'll put I'll put in that cap hold for the overage. Um, but right now, I don't don't have it in there until we see what that roster is going to be like. But when we see they've got nine point seven million of space, we've got to deduct about one point four million of that for that cap hold. So, you know, can they make it work? Yes. Um, you know, they've got eight point three. I'm sure there's going to be someone from the active roster going either directly to Buffalo in a trade like that or flip somewhere else. Um, but they also, that's with 23 players on the roster. So, you know, they could always go with a little bit less. So can they make it work? Yes, definitely. Will they make it work? That That's a whole other question. That's a question that we can, we've yep. done 277 shows on, if I'm being <laughs> honest, which is, I'm so sick of it at this point. It, uh, we're going to ask you, and this is a, this is an unfair question. So if you just don't know, it's fine. The Rangers have been in the, in the market for a top six center or a top six winger, could be anybody, a top six player, let's just say, for, I don't know, about five months since they fired literally everybody. For us, those players are Jack Eichel, they are possibly Elias Pedersen, which will not happen because it's an offer sheet situation. Uh, the Barkov situation is also another one where we don't believe he's leaving Florida. Thomas Hurdle is one that has some uh, problems around it in San Jose. Is there any player you could see even becoming available for around that sort of available cap space for the Rangers at the trade deadline that could be, hey, wow, we're getting a top six guy that's going to really improve this team to make a push for uh, not a Stanley Cup, but a deep playoff run. Like there's no other, is there anybody we're just missing? Those are the guys we really talk about more than anybody. And if you don't know, that's totally fine. I'm just curious. Hmm. Well, the first place I think when you mentioned like that is to, to look up who's who are pending UFAs, right? So right. You mentioned Barkov. I think he's going to resign. Um, you know, what do you think about if if the, if they continue to have these weird injuries and they struggle? What about a team like Dallas and Joe Pavelski um, at the deadline? You know, that that's a guy on an expiring contract. Old. He's not part of the future, but right. maybe that helps you get over the hump. You got uh, Johnny Goodrow in in Calgary. You know, um, 
maybe that's a fit for, considering the types of players the Rangers have added of late that you don't think that's really the, the, the stature or the size of a player, but you never know. Um, what about looking in uh, Washington at someone that they've been trying to move like Kuznetsov? Right? Yeah, we've That's talked big, about Kuznetsov a lot on this podcast. Big, big ticket. Yeah. You know, another one, um, I know he's a little banged up right now, um, but what about like a guy like Phil Kessel? You know, big ticket, but in his last year, um, they have room for that right now. Um, I can't imagine you have to give up much to get him. You That's got, a top like, six. You would give him hot dogs player. and then he'd be super yeah. happy. Yeah, I hear they're good at MSG. Yeah, they are. Um, so, you know, even even a guy like Trocek is coming as a UFA. I don't think you're going to get him potentially during the year without actually having to give up something. And, and you got to be planning to sign him. But maybe if you get to next offseason, that's a guy um, that could slide into your top ten, top six. So is that a, a few names for you? I think that's good. I appreciate you taking the time for that. Uh, Hart, while we're talking about guys who are or aren't under contract, it, how do you think it's odd? I Again, Quinn Hughes notwithstanding because – that for Quinn just feels like an unfortunate situation where he obviously should be paid a ton, but the Canucks can just disrespect them if they really want to. But Pedersen, Kachuk, is it odd that these big ticket RFAs aren't any closer to having a contract done at this point in the off season? Um, is it odd? No. If you look at, um, I actually made a list not that long ago of, the last two years, the RFAs and when they signed and big name guys, like they, they take it to the first few days of training camp sometimes, you know, like a couple of years ago was the, with, were like the Toronto guys and stuff. It's not uncommon. I would say the, the biggest um, factors, if a guy's going to take through training camp to get signed, is it like, is he a big player and is he represented by a big agency? Because we've seen um, that the big agencies, they don't, they're not afraid to to hold firm and 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 miss some time. Um, you know, I just obviously on the website we've got we track all the clients of the agents and see how that goes. And I, I it seems to me I, I notice a pattern where, you know, the if it's a smaller agency or so, they they start to feel maybe there's some pressure that comes from from the player, the player's family all around. And when the team digs in their heels on these RFAs and says we're not budging. Sometimes these smaller agencies, they eventually they say, well, it's not worth like waiting. Let's just get this signed. These big agencies like see Pat Brisson has a billion dollars under contract himself. Like he he can wait. He's, he's not going to go hungry and waiting for this commission. Right. So um, these these deals, they, the, the agencies don't need to sign it. Um, and these players are confident enough, too, that they're going to make up their money. It's not like this is the only contract they're going to have or you know, missing, uh, even if they miss a week or two of the season, like they're not going to make up that pay and like a new endorsement deal as soon as they come out for the press conference. Right. So, so when you take big, big players, um, and represented by big agencies, no, I'm not at all surprised that there, I'm actually surprised there's not more of these guys that, that were hanging around. We're down to just three. I thought there might be a few more, but at this time. So I guess this, this is a natural transition to this kind of question. And I, I hate to go back to Mr. Eichel, but here we are. Were you surprised when Brisson became his agent and he uh, was he got rid of Peter Fish to kind of try try I guess to move the needle in Buffalo? Um, it's certainly, yeah. I mean, that's the timing. I guess is a bit surprising because he'd been going through it with his current or the um, previous agency for a while. They'd released that statement, um, pushing Buffalo, but not surprised that a player that you know a top end player and a top end player that's looking for a change of scenery 
um, wouldn't want to be represented by Pat Brisson because that's, I mean, you, you can look at his client list and see the kind of deals he's done and then the trades that he's facilitated. Look at Seth Jones. Yeah, right there. That's a great example, right? Um, so, I mean, again, when you're, when you're the top agent in terms of contract, um, dollars, um, which you can see on puckpd.com slash agents. <laughs> and there when you're no, also known for being someone with that, that, that uses that power and has really good relationships with the, with GMs and can get trades done. You know, I'm no, I, I guess I would answer your question. I, I'm surprised he maybe didn't switch a year ago, knowing that he was disgruntled to want to trade because that's the type of client that sort of finds, seems to find their way to Pat and CAA. But then once, once you get through the summer and his his previous agent was was still representing him and pushing on trying to make this trade yeah then at then at that point i was surprised at the timing of it i guess is the the best way that i can answer it but ultimately like it is a pretty unique situation because i mean forget hockey aside if you had a neck injury and it hurt like you want to take the procedure to make it feel better right like yes of course he wants to continue his hockey career but it sounds like he's also in pain and because of this like he's not able to get it fixed like that there's something that just seems wrong about that right oh yeah dude buffalo is a nightmare i mean and yeah no it's easy to pick on buffalo but who knows if there's other teams that would maybe feel the same way we we know how buffalo feels because he's with them but maybe other teams would feel the same way you know um the the one doctor that is uh, representing the the, the one procedure was on uh, Elliot Freeman's and, and Jeff Merrick's 31 Thoughts podcast. It was interesting. And you hear that side of it. It sounds like, oh, yes, it wasn't done in the NHL, but it seems like that procedure um, makes sense and should, you know, he should be able to do it. Um, you know, that when you hear from that side, that makes sense. But I'm sure the other side makes some c- compelling cases about why it's too risky and and um, they don't want, you know, they, they're not so positive about the outcome. So, you know, obviously, we're not qualified to to decide on that. But the the part that I think is just really unfair is that like, yes, it's in the CBA. He can't get a procedure that they don't agree with, but it is his body and he's, he has an issue, an injury and he wants to get it fixed. Right. So I guess from an outsider, it would be nice if Buffalo said, you know what, we don't, we don't agree with this um, procedure, but you're not going to play for us anyways. Maybe there's some like legal paperwork they can do. So you know, he can get the procedure and if, and then if there's some complications, he's on the hook for it. I, I don't know how that would work, but in the end, there should be a better solution than the guy doesn't get to be fixed and he can't play hockey and, and you're just sitting there. That doesn't seem right at all. Well, isn't part of the problem. And again, this is, I'm not asking you directly. I'm kind of just asking this rhetorically to the three of us. Isn't part of the problem that everything we've heard is Buffalo will refuse to exchange medicals with any team that they are talking to until the 95% of the deal is agreed to. Yeah, which... that seems yeah, that seems strange. Like, I, I get that they don't want to give it to anyone. You've got to sort of show that you're serious. You know, you wouldn't let anyone do an inspection of your house if you're selling it um, until you reach a tentative deal. But again, if you're if you're trying to sell your house and your condition is no one's allowed to do an inspection, you're not going to get as much for your house, right? You're So you've got to get people that are um, interested the information that they need. So they're somewhere in the middle, right? Obviously it sounds like maybe Buffalo is being too tight on, you know, what's the threshold for someone being serious before they'll give them the medical records. Um, But I also see their point of view, like they're not going to just give it to every looky loo because that's maybe not, um, maybe 
they want to protect that information. But ultimately, I think if Jack Eichel wants teams to have his medical information and they're his medical records, they, they should go to whatever team he wants. Well, let's talk more about the NHL in general in that case. The official crucial dates list came out today. Uh, is there any substantial changes that fans should know? Yeah, the the change that interests me the most, which I, I um, tweeted about this a couple of weeks ago when I was first coming on my radar. So with the Olympic break, the season is going to be longer. The season is going to be 200 days um, because during the Olympic break, the cap calculations still keep going. Um, a normal season, let's let's get rid of all these COVID years, but in a normal year, it's typically about 186 days. Um, this so this season though is going to be 200 days, and the way the salary cap works is every day that a player is on the roster, um, they count towards that player that team's final cap hit by one divided by however many days in the year. So that means that this year each day is worth less than in a normal year, um, right? To so just the the basic math of one out of 200 is you know mm-hmm. compared to one out one out of 186. I think well because of that, I think we'll see a few things. One is right before the Olympic break, I think we'll see teams sending a bunch of guys to the minors, getting their roster as low as possible. You know, that they'll have to have, I'm sure, 20 active players. But I don't see why a team, unless they're worried about waivers, why they would set keep guys on their roster during the Olympic break um, that are eligible to go down. Um, we saw, you know, we talked about this last year with the taxi squads. Like again, unless the a team was worried about losing someone on waivers. You, they may as well have sent someone down to the taxi squad and get them off their salary cap on off days. Well, I think it's the same thing for this Olympic break. So I think we'll see a lot of transactions right before that teams will get their rosters way down um, and try to accrue some cap space over that Olympic break. And that's a real benefit and advantage for teams that are under the cap, like the Rangers will be as opposed to LTIR teams um, because LTIR teams are over the cap. And one of the consequences of being LTIR is you do not accrue cap space. So an LTIR team, there's nothing to be gained by for, for them to send guys down to the minors um, during the Olympic break. But for a team like the Rangers, um, I think it's 20 something days or so. That's, that's, you know, that's pretty valuable um, time that they can um, accrue cap space, which then they can use it and deploy potentially later in the year or at the trade deadline. And so then the last piece that goes with that is uh, I tweeted about it today. So normally the trade deadline is, 41 days left in a 186 uh, day season this year, it's going to be 40 days left of a 200 day season, which means that if um, let's just take a million dollar player, he's going to, if you get him at the trade deadline this year, he's going to count 200,000 against your roster against your final cap hit in a normal year. You get a player at the trade deadline. He's going to count 220,000 uh, against your final team cap hit. And maybe that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you start getting to, you know, maybe a $2 million player or a $5 million player, that extra a bit will make a big difference. Again, that goes back to then teams that are non-LTIR teams and under under the cap have, will have more of an advantage at the trade deadline this year. They'll be able to actually bring in more of a cap hit um, and and have a, be able to accommodate that through the end of the year than they would in a, in a typical normal season. So that actually favors the Rangers in this situation because they... The Rangers have a, Yeah, assuming that they don't um, acquire Eichel or anything. They already have so much cap space. Like you can only, you know, it's like going to the dollar store with a million dollars. You can't spend it all in that store. Right. Right. Yeah. They they can't, but let's say they, they do make some moves. Um, Yeah. They, they're in a big advantage by being under the cap and let's just say they don't acquire anyone at the trade deadline. They, you know, they would have 
tens of millions of dollars of annual capital they could have. And they like still got to move Ryan Strom because they're not extending him. So I have <laughs> exactly. no idea. Uh, they're going to have like, but, but it, but it does give them advantage. And that, like, so let's just say they traded for um, Eichel and he's healthy partway through the year. These are a lot of big ifs, right? Well, they could, but they're still under the cap. They could send guys down on off days. Like they, we've seen them do before. And they could send guys down during the Olympic break and that could build up a decent amount of cap space that they could then deploy at the trade deadline again. And they would be able to add a little bit more at the trade deadline for the same little bit of space um, than they would compared to a regular season. So one other question I have about changes and one question that's been asked to us and uh, by a certain amount of people is there's only two goalies. There's not an emergency COVID goalie, right? Like that's kind of over now. There's no taxi at all. There's not mm-hmm. even being discussed. No, it's being discussed. It's oh, okay. TBD. So we don't know yet. I, I th- it sounds pretty unlikely that there'll be a taxi squad for skaters, but it sounds like it's, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know if I'd put it 50-50, maybe 75-25 towards not going to happen, but there's still a discussion and a chance that there's some sort of taxi squad for goalies. Um, but remember, just like last year with the taxi squad, they're, those taxi squad players are actually like off the NHL roster, right? So they're treated just like they're in the minors. They just get to practice and, and travel and eat steak with the NHL players. They don't have to be riding the bus in the minors. So from a cap standpoint, it doesn't really impact things other than if your guy, if your extra goalie, you know, you can send him down or he's cleared waivers and he goes down, you can, you don't have to worry. Like maybe like, let's say you have a goalie that's maybe nicked up or you have an older goalie. In a normal season, you'd probably have to have uh, like that extra goalie on your NHL roster counting against your cap because, you know, if you're you're across the country and then you need them, you're not going to be able to get them over on a plane. So in that sense, maybe it does help you a little bit from a cap standpoint because you can carry that third goalie off your cap, like officially like a minor league goalie that's just traveling with you. Mm. And then if you do need them, then you call them up. But um, this is that, terrible news really for the, our friend Keith Kincaid, who's going to maybe make the roster and make a lot less money, but he gets to eat steak that, with the boys. So there you go. That's right. Those per diems are no joke, though, being with the NHL team. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> I think I'm out of questions, Gregory. I mine is, I guess, a, ge- a generic put a bow on caps and contract talks for this. Do you do you see a big money deal happening by? before the season starts like i guess outside of anyone unsigned so like a a notable extension or are we kind of almost past the point of no return when it comes to people signing checks no i i think we'll see some big extensions still for sure um i i think yeah i i think we'll see some big extensions i would say i'd put the over under it uh two and a half by the time we get to end of october I would say I'll take the over that there'll be like three or more big extensions signed by then. Um, I think whether it's through training camp or sometimes, you know, they say once the season starts, I don't want to talk extension. But I mean, if you put some time in and you're pretty close, like and and there's a will on both sides to get an extension done, um, you, you keep talking through the first week or two of the season. I don't think it's that big of a distraction. So, no, I would say that we'll definitely see some ex- assigned aside from the RFAs. We'll definitely see some big name extensions, um, you know, done in the next month or so. Awesome. Are we are we more likely to see an offer sheet next year because of Kotkaniemi, or are we somehow less likely to see one because of the drama that surrounded it? I don't know. <laughs> Good question. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the I have no clue. I, I would have thought a couple of years ago we would never see another offer sheet. Then, you know, when we saw the Ajo one, 
I would have said, okay, now we'll never see one because that one seemed like pointless. And then we saw another one and it worked. So uh, I don't know. It's hard to, I, I like, I would, I would hope or think that at some point we start to see more of like these targeted offer sheets, like to cap strap teams and to like the, you know, I'm sure you've seen some articles where people speculate on like the, the double offer sheet technique, right? Where you can give two offer sheets at the same time, as long as the conversation doesn't overlap. And that can really put a team in the in a bind because you can make it almost impossible cap wise for them to uh, match both, right? Uh, I would love ima- to see imagine that imagine hard if there was a team last year that was just coming off a Stanley Cup win that had two really important restricted <laughs> free agents who were available to be signed for offer sheets, and maybe just imagine imagine that team possibly was strapped when it came to the salary cap. How crazy would it have been to see that double offer sheet then? Would have been nuts, right? It's too bad that it's just—it's a damn shame that situation didn't happen. Touchy subject here. Yeah, I won't go. Yeah, definitely. I get really mad. And then imagine, maybe not even the double offer sheet, but imagine there's another team, say, that plays in the same state as the New York Rangers, who are notoriously always up against the cap, and say there was a player on that team who has been on the record about how cool he thinks offer sheets are. And how he hopes one day that those offer sheets will come to the NHL. Imagine that guy was available for an offer sheet, but th- that would that would also never happen. No way. What are the odds of that? Crazy. So, is there a question here I'm supposed to no, answer? No, no, no. That's it. This is when you plug your stuff. <laughs> no, you go. Oh, yeah, I'm hardforpuckpd.com. We have all the latest uh, news. All, the, all that. Hard. I just. I really just want offer sheets. I just. I, I want the NHL to exist hey, like the NBA. Yeah, exactly. I was just gonna say the NBA like. It's it's not like you've committed some crime if, if a team gives an offer sheet, right? So it, I think it's a tool in the CBA. It should be used, especially, you know, as I chat with agents, the, the teams really squeeze these RFAs, um, especially when they don't have arbitration rights, you know? And without the threat of an offer sheet, there really it comes down a lot of times to like, this is the team's offer. The, t- the player can take it or, or sit out. And... You know, players don't want to sit out. They want to play. So that threat of an offer sheet, even if it wasn't for like the superstar, but for like your, you know, your young, maybe number four or five defenseman, if he, if he could potentially get an offer sheet of, you know, he's get the team's offering him 2 million and he can get an offer sheet or three and a half, you know, that would put some pressure and get him to like his market value of two and a half or whatever. Right. But right now the teams have so much leverage um, with these RFAs and without the offer sheet, there's, there's not often other than sitting out, which is what we're seeing now with a couple of uh, these, these guys right now, but without offer sheets and without sitting out, there's not much they can do. Um, and with this, you know, the, the excuse or the reason for not doing it in the olden days was like, it was inflationary. Well, obviously that makes no sense in a salary cap world because it's just you know, taken out from taking the money from somewhere else. So, you know, like Kotkanemi is overpaid this year. Well, that means someone is in the NHL is underpaid, right? It all has to balance out. Um, so it would just be nice to see that happen. And, and ultimately, because when you see these guys do their deep dives and analytics studies about like the the age of, um, where players hit their prime and where they're making the most contributions, right? Like for most players, it's in that, you know, 23 to 26, 27 range where they're in their prime. And we've come a long way from, you know, the pre-salary cap era where the, the 33 year olds were making all the money, but it still is not quite right where the. You guys are a lot of guys are still getting paid for what they used to do instead of what they're going to do, right? Um, so I think an offer more offer sheets shifts that balance to getting guys paid for for what they're going to do. And the other thing that doesn't 
come up that often, but we saw it happen this year with some of the buyouts. Um, you know, we saw it with the Rangers and we saw it with the Canucks when guys are 26 and under the buyouts only a third, right? So there isn't that much risk to signing like younger guys to, to bigger deals or overpriced deals because you can buy them out at a third spread over twice the contract. That's not that punitive, right? Like the D'Angelo buyout isn't that bad. The Vertanen buyout isn't that bad. So, you know, you take that and if teams were starting to do more offer sheets, like we could see these younger guys get these big contracts, you know, a year or two later, doesn't work out, buy them out and, you know, roll the dice on some more younger guys instead of paying the the 30 year olds on these big long deals. Hart, can't thank you enough, my friend. Uh, why don't you plug everything you do? Sure. Uh, go to puckpedia.com. Um, we're getting close to the season opening um, lineup. So if you want to figure out what your team's roster might look like, you can use our MyPuckpedia GM mode. Sweet. It gives you basically, basically your own salary cap site, your own sandbox, um, and you can make roster moves and see how it impacts the whole league, not just one team. Um, and then follow on Twitter at Puckpedia. Um, we'll be tweeting out you know, what's, how teams are going to make some moves to fit fit the LTIR puzzle pieces and, and we'll be tweeting out a sort of recap of all the season opening rosters um, as we get, get to there. Um, and I think that that's it. Oh, and uh podcast coming back this season, the show me the money hockey podcast, nice. find it anywhere. There's, there's podcasts. It's not as good as this one, but oh. if you'll check it out. Oh, well, that was very kind. If you need some you. gambling, I, I to... won't be, I won't be coming on, but Greg will gladly join. <laughs> I, you're, I 100%. I just want to make sure on Puckpedia, there is, on the my GM mode, a way to designate that the Tampa Bay Lightning are cheating. Correct? Right. There's that That's toggle switch, important. right? That's that, good. Th- there's a special subscription version for you. Um, <laughs> you know, you you send me your your banking information, and I'll make a uh, make a way that you can do. We'll that. make it happen. All right, buddy. Yeah. Thank you so much. We're actually out of here too. You can follow me on Twitter at O'Reilly. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We'll be back next week. Love you guys. Bye. And this episode, as always, is brought to you by our Offer Sheet Club, our NHL insiders who make this podcast possible. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cheech. I think I messed that up. I don't know. Alex Gardner, <laughs> Alexander, Amber Cohensberger, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Biggest Malone, Brian Doyle, Broadway Boucher, Bleeder, Chris Finelli, CJ Stellwagen, Daniel DeZen, David Narinen, David Siegel, Dennis Deitz, Eric Stagg, George Obrinsky, Give Gartner a Cup, Jake Berkowitz, JD, Jimmy Mack, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, Kyle Franklin, Lazik Kromkowski, Lucas K, Matthew Kine, Pavel Kovdarev, RP Sheridan. Nice. Hey, welcome aboard, RP Sheridan. Uh, Steven Lomayer, Stigbulbach, Swingart, The Drop BK, Tom Siklari. I think I didn't do that right. Tommy O'Neill, Tori from Manhattan, Vinny Bracco, Vinny Hay, and Will Spector. All right. So um, thank you all. I really can't appreciate you enough. I know that uh, some of you reached out over the past week, and I really appreciate uh, you reaching out. I'm actually going to tell a bit of a sad story coming up in a second here. So um, if you're done with emotional stuff, I mean, it's probably time to stop the podcast. We had fun, though, right? We had a great time. So thank you all who support us, and uh, let's uh, let's go to that, huh? All right. Hey, I wasn't going to do something like this, but I feel like it's just right. Um, if you don't want to hear, like, a sad story um, about a dog... That was mine. Uh, maybe don't listen to this part. Podcast is over. I'm just kind of using this to vent and uh, doing this off the cusp, really, as, as we do here. But I felt like it was the right thing to do. Um, last week, my dog artist passed away after living a 15-year life of luxury uh, that included uh, burritos sleeping in my bed every single night. A uh, Literally just being... <laughs> Getting everything he wanted pretty much most of his life. A good boy, truly. 
but this has been uh, a couple hard weeks for me here. Uh, saying goodbye to a family friend. My family, as if you listen to this podcast like way, way, way back, you know it's not super extensive. It's pretty much my mom and my dog. And that's it. That's it. Uh, so I kind of wanted to give an ode to Artist, who got his name uh, by a, a funny way. He was in a adoption center. He was a purebred English Cocker Spaniel. I know what you're thinking, Ryan. Uh, why did you get like a breeder dog? Well, we didn't really want to get a breeder dog. We wanted to adopt a mutt. And then we found Prince. Prince is Artist's first name before he was Artist. So, so then he became the artist formerly known as Prince. I thank you. I thank you. Uh, He was one or two years old. He was a breeder dog uh, tied to a tree, had full dreads, and was just, his sister got adopted in about five days, and artist was three months. We went to a few different shelters, and artist was the one dog we kept coming back to, and they were trying so hard to give artist away because no one wanted him. When you would go in to see him, uh, he would look incredibly disheartened and disinterested in you. He just didn't care. So we went back, and it was actually my mom's idea. I was looking at some lab uh, at another shelter on Long Island. And we went back, and she was like, all right, let's go see artists one more time, or Prince at the time. And they, there was like a, they put me in a room with them. And there was like a crap ton of ladies in there that was just like, you need to, you know, this dog's great. He's wonderful. And he was so scared. He couldn't really do anything without having a toy in his mouth. That was kind of his deal. He was just terrified, a uh, little guy. And they put him, they put him on my lap and uh, he did nothing. He ignored me and didn't care at all. And for some unforsaken reason, uh, at the time, we still decided to adopt him. We went out and worked on the paperwork, and we just felt like this was our dog. And I want to point out that my mom was the person that found him online, went on. I still have, like, the original posting. And she was, like, the one pushing to get a dog because our other dog had passed away a few months before. The house was too quiet and all that. So she's driving. Uh, I'm, I'm 18 at this point, and we put artists in the back with me. And as soon as Artist gets in the back with me, he has like a full-blown doggy meltdown in a good way, like really making like a so much happy noises. Like it's like one of those feel-good dog videos where it was like it's one of the happiest moments of my life where this dog just absolutely exploited with joy uh, for being adopted. He would spend uh, the next many years living in our house, uh, a very, very wonderful life. But he was also ridiculously attached to me, like to a level that's almost sickening. I would leave for community college before I transferred uh, for a few years. And he would get on a chair and look out the window. And when I drove back, he would still be there. It's like heartbreaking stuff. He's a he was a great, great guy. So, like I said, he lived a great life. Uh, When we started the podcast, which is kind of why I wanted to do this. You may or may not know this, but I'm sort of an audiophile. I know, listen, I know the Slack notifications happen. They definitely happen every single week. And that's super my bad. And I can't pronounce anything. But if something goes wrong with audio in the podcast, I usually get super irritated. I usually get 
uh, very pissed off. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I, I try and be very professional. I just did very like a million times. I don't care. And artist was very click, clickety clackety and would love to jump on and off the bed and would also always, I mean, this is probably the reason I have back problems. My dog would sit behind me on my chair in my computer chair pretty much any time I was sitting in it. He would sit there with me constantly like my whole life. I, my whole life revolved around him for a very long time. So during the podcast, artist would jump off the chair. He would jump off the bed. He would clickety clackety with his nails all over the place. And I have to say the first, uh, a long time of episodes were mostly just editing artist out of them. His jumps, his clickety clacks is everything. If you listen to us, the first like hundred episodes and all that stuff, I'm sure you heard some jumps in the background or some weird stuff when I was still trying to figure out how to handle him during the show. Uh, and he got older. He lived to be 15 as an English Cocker Spaniel. That's a wonderful life. Uh, he went blind. He went deaf. He had, he had sight in one eye at the end. And uh, it was time to say goodbye. We had a really good time together. And I just wanted to take this time to kind of give him an ode to a podcast. He helped start with me. I mean, the only other person that was with me through it almost every single week other than Greg uh, was my dog artist. So he sat with me. He stayed up late night editing with me. He's been through all that stuff. And uh, I just felt like it was appropriate to tell everybody that, you know, you should be grateful for the lovely relationships you have in your life and don't take them for granted because you don't know. And uh, I miss you, buddy. And I love you all for listening. Thanks. We'll see you next week.